Yeah, don't don't hold the phone right up to the mic. No, we gotta figure it out a different way. Just uh The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour With your hosts Joe Bob Ah, you're awful And A.J. Applegar Sin Shu Chu It's a mouthful All right, welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour podcast. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. With me, as always, my co-host, AJ Epigarth. What's up, bro? What's happening? What's happening? Uh, <clears throat> got a late start, as usual, I guess. Uh, you know, no big deal. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work. We're just going to start making this a 9.30 start time, I guess. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll make it work, AJ. Just for you. But uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want to do, you can always start, and then I'll just you know come on late and then talk for an extra half hour after you sign off. Fair. I mean, might not record, but I'll be entertained. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, we got the NFC South preview tonight. Uh, before we jump into that, we got a lot to talk about. It seems like a lot of news here. Uh, start with some baseball, man. We've got. Positive tests coming out in baseball uh, this past weekend. The Marlins kind of exploded, made headlines. Bunch of positive tests there. Games have been canceled. Phillies canceled games because that's who they were playing. The Yankees didn't want to travel there, obviously. Orioles canceled games because they weren't going to Miami and said, "Nope, he'll know," and I don't blame them. So, me neither. I don't know, man. Like, I know we've we've asked this question before, but now that we're seeing this kind of these these test cases come positive more and more and more like this. I mean, how likely is it that we're getting the season in? What do you think? Baseball season? Uh, I would give it a 75% chance of not finishing. Not finishing. All right. <laughs> That's kind of where I think I would be. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's not going to be... It, it's going to be tough, man. Like, you know, I, I don't think Miami is going to be the only team that's going to have all these, these, these test cases pop up like this. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a matter of like, how many times can they cancel games before, before, you know, they can't get a season in and, and have enough teams play the equal amount of games and things like that. And just safety of the players. I don't know. It's, it's something to watch. I'm still chugging away on the baseball content for the site as, as everybody else is. So, you know, Read it while you can, guys. <laughs> I guess. Uh, enjoy baseball while we can. It is fun to watch. I will say it is. It does seem, a, even though it's weird to watch it with no fans and and you know weird cardboard faces in the stands. Uh, it, it's at least baseball, so it's something to something for us to talk about. Over to football, we've got some opt outs happening, and and the deadline for this I think is August first. So we're gonna have some more in the next couple of days. We record on the thirtieth, so. You know we've got a we've got a few players opting out. the The two big ones, um, the biggest one dropped today. But I'll start with Devin Funches. Not not huge, but I mean Green Bay did sign him. Uh, they didn't bring in any other wide receivers, so you had to think there was going to be a role there for him. Um, it. 
I mean, how much is, is this going to impact? I mean, I think Adam's stock just goes up ever so slightly because of this. But, I mean, is there anybody else that, that you see is a clear winner there because Funches is out? I mean, I think Lazard was probably looked at as the number two anyways, even with Funches coming in. I mean, what, he's had one season that's worth a shit? So I don't know why he was, uh, out of all these fantastic, talented rookies, that they looked at it and said, hey, you know what? Let's go get Devin Funches. Oh, we don't need these rookies. Let's get a backup quarterback who's not going to play this year uh, and, and just piss Aaron Rodgers off. Um, yeah, let's do all these other things that we we shouldn't do instead of getting a receiver. Oh, shit, we still need a receiver. Yeah, I, I don't... I'm, I'm not surprised by it, you know, because of the circumstances. And... That's fine and all, but I, I like Lazard to, to benefit from this. Um, I mean, really, everybody in that receiver room is going to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I just it it was definitely definitely an odd an odd off season for them. You do I did read something where, uh, and I don't remember the source. I just saw the headline where Rogers actually thinks that uh, Lazard or not Lazard, um, the quarterback. Love is actually going to play like they want him to play this year. And I wonder how much there is. I didn't read the article. Like I said, I kind of caught it on my phone, just scrolling through Twitter. Um, so it was just interesting to see that, though, that he thinks that that actually is a possibility. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I don't really believe it. I don't think I don't think was, he was polished was, enough to, to. So was he uh, foreshadowing that he's going to opt out and then leave the team with. Jordan Love as the uh, the main quarterback. would <laughs> <laughs> be the ultimate sort of revenge. At you. a little bit, I sort of would laugh at that. I I would cry <laughs> if I was an Adams owner, uh, and I'm not yet. I'm hoping I will be, but uh, I did draft Aaron Jones in in Raz Bowl, so that would suck. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully it doesn't happen, but. Uh, yeah, the other big name, offensive-wise, fantasy skill player-wise here, is Damian Williams opted out today. So you hate to see it, but you knew it was coming as soon as it happened. All the people that were, you know, back in uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you know, taking victory laps on Twitter. It's like, this isn't why you thought it was going to happen, but okay. You you. Can... I know. No, it sucks. People stop. just, I mean, but obviously, Hilaire's value just skyrockets immediately. You know, I, I'm trying to figure out who else benefits if it's going to be, um, you know, they go get somebody else or if it's going to be Darwin Thompson. I, I think it could just be all slew of guys there. I don't know if there's really anybody behind him that I'm totally counting on being a number two threat there. And yeah. it's going to suck because we're not going to get preseason to really see who's going to get it. Uh, we're going to get very little reports out of camp and that's all we're going to have. So. I don't know. What, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's obviously, again, it's it's a tough situation for the team because now they're without, I guess, they're starting back or who should have been their starter coming into it. You know, everything that I was looking at was saying how they were going to uh, bring CEH along kind of slow and they didn't have to rush him into it. So now they're potentially looking at doing that. Um, I mean, they do still have Washington. They've got uh, you know, Thompson, who you mentioned, you know, they still have people out in free agency who they could maybe look at bringing back Shady. I don't know how, Shady how just much he's Tampa. So that's not OK. Well, never mind then. 
Uh, I didn't say that. Um, yeah, so I think they're uh, they're going to look at, at at all the options, but there, there's there's plenty of backs there, so I think they'll be okay. Yeah, and there's been a sorry, what? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I thought you were going to say something else. Um, the other, the other big name. There's a, there's a whole bunch of other guys, but uh, one of the other big names, like New England lost a lot of players, which is interesting because they cleared like $22 million in cap space or something like that. They lost Dante Hightower, uh, Patrick Chong. Uh, oh, what's the other one? Yes, yeah, thank you. Bolden. Brandon Bolden. Um, so, yeah, there, I mean, there's there's been some guys there, so that that's interesting. You know, you wonder if they're just not going to compete this year and go for a high draft pick, or if they're going to go out and sign one of these big name free agents that's sitting out there. Um, another guy here for the Giants, Nate Soldier. Um, you know, starting left tackle. That that's that's big for for everybody, really. That's that's going to hurt Saquon slightly. That's going to hurt Daniel Jones. You know, everybody. Um, so just. You know, keep an eye out for these opt outs is, is pretty much all we can say. And, and, you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of articles across different sites, you know, analyzing the, the impacts of them. We'll try to do one, too. It's uh, it's just an ever changing world with with all the, the coronavirus COVID stuff. So kind of stay on your toes. <clears throat> all right, man, uh, let's do our beer of the week. Beer. All right. So. I am doing today an other half uh, Green City Double Dry Hopped IPA, uh, 7%. I believe I gave this one a four. I, I, uh, I've i got a couple other other half beers that I've tasted before. And, and this one's this one's up there, uh, but there's been better. I do like this one, though. Um, it's <clears throat> it's. It's lighter, but it's still got plenty of flavor behind it too, which which makes it good. So, um, it's even though it's seven percenter, it doesn't like hit you hard. So, what you got? Salad. Uh, well, I went down to uh, the downtown Crown, as you know, today, and picked yep. up uh, a, a little bit too much beer that I care to talk about. But tonight, <laughs> I'm starting off with the uh, the Black Flag Brewing Company's fourth anniversary Dipper. It's at eight point two percenter, and um, yeah, haven't tried it yet, so we'll we'll see what it is. It's uh, I want to say a New England, no, maybe not. <laughs> All right, good, solid, cool, cool. very good. Wow. All right, well, uh, mm-hmm. we had a little bit longer of an intro than we have the past few weeks, but I'm excited to get to our guest this week from the score, the number one in season ranker on Fantasy Pros last season. Justin Boone, what's up, man? You there? I am here. I feel like uh, I feel like a caged animal. You guys have just had me in here for like five minutes, just <laughs> raring to go, and now I'm getting unleashed. <laughs> Good man, bring all that energy. Awesome. Uh, so we just did our beer of the week. You drinking anything with us tonight, man? I am. Now we talked earlier, and you yeah. said bring a beer, and I am actually out of beer at the moment. But it's okay because I'm not as much of a beer drinker. I still will socially. But I much prefer bourbon, and so we're going with Blanton's tonight. Nice, a nice little horse top there. Uh, Blanton's is one of my one of my favorites for sure. And putting it in the old trusty Bills mug, which is normally nice. water, but tonight we're going with with bourbon. <laughs> nice, Blanton's is solid, definitely. 
Yeah, we we uh we don't discriminate alcohol here, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> all right, so NFC South, that's what we brought you on to talk about, man. So how it's gonna break down here is we'll we'll run through positions. I rattle off the ADP of the primary guys here, and then we go through some questions, highlighting a few players. First, though, we're going to start with this kind of an overall division question. And obviously, you got to lead with Tom Brady signing in Tampa. Uh, you know, big news in a lot of people's minds makes them an immediate contender. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, with the weapons there, the big thing, though, is everybody's going to focus on Brady and Gronk and all that stuff. The big thing is that defense. If you look back to last year, their defense was getting a lot better, and that, that's got to factor in. So they're not the best team in the division. That's the Saints, and I think the Saints at this point you know, might be the Super Bowl favorite, or at least they're right up there with the Chiefs and a couple other teams. But uh, Brady's going to make it interesting being on the Bucks and, man, the offenses in this division. What I'm so glad that this is the one you asked me to do because the offenses here, the fantasy production, it's unbelievable in the NFC South. Yeah, I was doing these questions just going, man, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, it's one of the more fun divisions to talk about for sure, if not the most fun. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Tampa is going to be a very interesting team to watch. I, I think they do. I think they are one of the top five teams that are contenders easily. Um, and yeah, you mentioned how the defense got got better. But even without just being better in general, I think with Tom Brady there, not putting them on the field as often is just going to make them so much better. Um, so that that will be <clears throat> that will be something to watch out for too. I mean, just the efficiency of the defense and having them, you know, rested will, will make a huge difference. So, all right, well, let's jump into the quarterbacks here. Uh, rattle off the ADP here. So we got Matt Ryan at eight, Drew Brees at nine. Tom Brady at 11, and then Teddy Bridgewater all the way down at 27. Uh, start off here with Drew Brees. So, in a great quarterback, nobody's denying that. Probably, you know, easy Hall of Famer. In my opinion, though, he's not going to rack up the yardage or the touchdowns that, you know, the, these top guys in fantasy are going to get at the end of the year. You know, he's going to have some some boom weeks for sure. Um, but he's a, he's a good, reliable quarterback. I mean, with that being said, is he really worth the QB nine draft cost? I don't have him ranked there, but it's not mm. far off. I got him at QB 11. I think at this point in his career, yeah, he's just not the elite top five option. Now, I don't know that I totally agree with you that it's because of the yardage and the touchdowns, though. I think the problem with a lot of these mm. guys, and it's going to plague pretty much every quarterback in this division is the rushing numbers just aren't there for any of these guys. And mm -hmm. to be in the top 10, it is very hard to get in there without putting up 200, 250 or more rushing yards on the season, right? You even see that from Mahomes. And now you see a guy like Aaron Rodgers, for example, who didn't really do it last year. I think he was at 183 rushing yards, and it's getting harder for him to get up there. So when you look at Breezley, you're talking about the, the yardage and the touchdowns not being there. If you look at it, he played 11 games last year. And if you extrapolate his numbers over a full 16, right, you look at that, you would have had over 4,300 rushing yards, which would have put him sixth in the league in, in, sorry, passing yards, which would have put him sixth in the league. You look at touchdowns, he actually would have put up 39 touchdowns on the year had he played a full 16 game season at the pace that he was going at. That would have led the league. So mm. it's interesting that he can still 
you know, he could still get it done. Absolutely. If you look even a little bit closer, you drill down on some of his numbers. He threw for three or more touchdowns in seven of his 11 games last year. We know for fantasy, that's fantastic. Those multi-score games, especially three touchdown games, right? So he threw for three or more touchdowns on 64% of his games. I'm not trying to beat up on Aaron Rodgers here, but that's something that Rodgers only did three times last year. And Rodgers played all 16 and that's like 19, 20% of his game. So Breeze definitely can still get it done. You're giving him more weapons now with Emmanuel Sanders showing up, right? Which gives them a, a legit number two now to add to a healthier Alvin Kamara. Kamara was still good. Did as usually caught, you know, he would have been on pace for 81 catches last year. Um, that, which is to his total usual thing. Right. But he still has Michael Thomas. You have Jared Cook there. There's a lot of weapons in mm-hmm. that passing game for Breeze to get it done. It's a team that's going to win a lot of games. I still I still like Breeze, but like you're saying, it's just you have to change your view on him. He is not the, the top five guy. And part of it is because how deep the quarterback position is now, right? When you look at those guys near the top and somebody like Josh Allen, who is nowhere near the quarterback Drew Breeze mm-hmm. is, but he gets that rushing production and it vaults him up the rankings. Somebody like Carson Wentz, who two years ago, the rushing numbers went down when he was coming off the knee injury. And then last year they came back again and he was the quarterback nine, despite having basically no one in his receiving core. So it's just tough for these, these older quarterbacks to get it done. And I don't want to spoil the rest of them because we're going to talk about all the quarterbacks in this division, but it's going to be a common theme that we're going to bring up here. So I'm totally willing to take Breeze where he is going um but he he just doesn't have the ceiling that some of those other guys have yeah i guess what i was looking at the numbers and and i phrased this question yeah i looked back at the couple of years before that like last year to me was kind of an outlier a little bit like one he got hurt two when he was healthy he was gunning for that record for michael thomas so like he (laughs) and komara was banged up and we'll get to that so like there was some factors in play where I feel like his numbers were a little. I mean, you think about it. He threw for more touchdowns last year than he did in 2017 in five less games. I mean, something was it just wasn't right. And yeah, I mean, his pace last year was incredible considering the number of games played. I'm just not sure that's what that's going to happen again. I like the weapons around him, but I think if if Kamara can stay healthy, then I think they do kind of back off of him a little bit more. Um, to keep him healthy, you know, you don't want him standing back there and just getting drilled at, you know, 30, whatever, 38 years old or 40, whatever, 41. Jeez, 41. Yeah. What is it? Like, <laughs> I, forgot. I don't know. Man. Who are we talking about Matt Ryan? Cause he's not that old yet. <laughs> uh, he's close. So I guess that's where I was going with, with the whole, like, you know, he may not get you the passing yards and, and the touchdowns that you were looking for at that point. You know, he's going to have the huge games, but, um, if he could do what he did last year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's other factors, right? Taysom Hill being there. Are they going to just keep using him even more? Is that going to steal some touchdowns from Breeze? Are they going to just keep winning? This could be a team that wins, you know, 13 games. Like we could see this team win a lot of games this season and maybe they're able to kind of pull off the gas a little bit with Breeze. So I'm with you. There's risk and he's not somebody that I end up with a lot. And it's normally because of, you know, that range of guys and most of the quarterbacks in this division are in that same range. Those older quarterbacks, they tend to go a little higher than even ADP sometimes in casual drafts. And it's just because they're, they're names that have been around forever. And yeah. casual drafters feel comfortable grabbing a Brady and a Breeze and having them on their roster, even though maybe they don't have the upside that they used to. Yeah, it is comfort. I, I get it. I totally do. All right, AJ, you want to move on? Yeah. All right. So 
speaking of uh, Matt Ryan, you know, it's another even year. And is it time to draft Matt Ryan and watch him finish near the top of the quarterbacks again? If you it's look like at the stats, the weirdest I mean, thing, right? <laughs> it's so it, it, it's I like the, it's, on odd years every year. I need to stop. Well, <laughs> yeah, you would. You probably think you would learn after that, but well, it, it's I, like I watching the San Francisco Giants win, you know, World Series every other year. You know, Matt Ryan decides, hey, I'm going to do this and be good. Uh, I mean, he's still good regardless, but he just shines in these even years. Um, you know. Right up around 5,000 yards in both 2016, 2018, uh, 35 and 38 touchdowns, uh, 18, 16. Um, I mean, that, that's that's ridiculous production to have. Um, you know, his his QB ratings always been above 90 the past four years, which is awesome, too. But I, I mean, he's also consistently playing. He's missed one game out of the last four years. Um, I mean, where, what do you, what are you looking at from Ryan this year? Here's my problem with him. Aside from what we just talked about, that he's another guy that just doesn't really put up much rushing production. And that makes it really hard for him to get really high up the, the year end list. He can put up 30 touchdown passes and that's basically what he's going to need to do. He, you kind of talked about it. He's, he's done that three times in his career. If he can't do that, and last year, he wasn't able to. Last year, he had 26 touchdown passes. But he still had a great year. He threw for over 4,500 yards or nearly 4,500 yards. And he had 26 touchdowns. That's fantastic, right? That Those are the kind of numbers you want from your quarterback. But guess what? He finished as the QB 10 last year. So you have a team that led the league in passing attempts and led the league dramatically in passing attempts. They were like 50 ahead of the next best team where's the upside going to come from? Is it going to be better efficiency? I, when I look at him, the only thing that I could see happening is some big touchdown total. And he's got the weapons to do it, right? And Julio and Calvin Ridley and, and Hayden Hurst there now. They got a lot of options. So yeah, maybe it happens for him. But I'm just not banking on him putting up this you know MVP-like season on a team that is a losing team. It's a bad defense. That's going to force them to continue throwing. But... I, I don't see where the upside is going to come from because you can't look at more volume. So it's got to be efficiency. It's got to be touchdowns. That's his only chance. And that's not really a bet that I'm willing to make. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Are you going yeah. to take the plunge and draft him in an even year? for <laughs> No, nah, I've, I've been going elsewhere with quarterback. It seems like I'm kind of kind of passing up on the breeze and the Ryans and things like that this year as much as I possibly can. I mean, yeah, he's safe. You know, just like we just talked about the breeze, he's safe, but yeah, it's it's all volume with him. And if and if Gurley can be, you know, anywhere close to, you know, Gurley, you know, they didn't have a rushing game last year at all. Um, so maybe that I mean, that also probably doesn't help him either. Just he just gets just knocked around back there too. So people just pin their noses, you know, pin their ears back and just go, right? So uh I mean the weapons there, you know, Julio and Ridley, they're they're monsters and you know, they got hearse this year, so uh, We'll see what Hurst can do, you know, taking over for Austin Hooper. But, yeah, I mean, he he's 4,000 yards. You're, you're going to get 4,000 to 5,000 yards with, you know, maybe right around 30 touchdowns. That's that's fine. It's going to be a safe, steady quarterback play. But you, you lack upside, just like Justin said. So, yeah. All right, back to some Tom Brady news. Um, Boo. <laughs> <laughs> only Brady. Um <laughs> So, so look, you know, he, 
They're definitely a way more interesting team. They're definitely a legit contender, as we mentioned. In fantasy football, though, like, I just don't know if I really believe in the rankings. I mean, I'm looking at fantasy pros, and I, and I see his high as four. I see his low as 22. It's such extremes with this guy. Uh, he finished QB 16 last year on a point-per-game basis. I mean, I think he was like 12 overall. Just, you know, you factor in injury, so your overall doesn't really matter to me in, in the long run. Um, I mean, is he really capable of putting up numbers to finish his QB 11? And, like, is he a target for you? I don't know that he's a target. He's a guy that I've ended up with if he's fallen, um, kind of to that, you know, maybe just outside of that QB1 range. If he ends up going there, maybe I'll take him. Because, listen, there's a little, little bit of Peyton Manning to the Broncos magic here, right? That's something that could happen. You know, he's going to a new team. Point. The chip is on his shoulder. You know, he seems like he was kind of upset in New England near the end. So maybe having that weight off of him and going to this new team, he seems re-energized. Everything we've seen so far, he's getting the teammates together. He's going to be fired up. We know he's a competitive guy. So the possibility is there. But once again, he's not a guy that I'm really expecting to do that. Once again, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse here, but without having those rushing numbers, it's great that he's bringing Gronk with him. I think that that will help. But my real concern, aside from the fact that he's obviously old as hell and we know that the the drop-off is there, because that's another thing that happened with Peyton, right? The drop-off came for him very quickly, Ooh, and yes. all of a sudden Peyton was dust and it was over. And we could see that happen for Brady. And that's not just the, the Bills fan in me saying this after watching him beat my team all those times over the years. It's coming. Older quarterbacks, you know, father time is going to eventually catch up to them. But my real concern for the Bucks this year is that they're just going to be better with Brady under center. And that's an argument you can make going back to the Breeze thing too, right? When the team's really good, maybe they're not going to have as many of those game scripts where they're chasing, which is something that the the Bucks had a lot with Jameis, right? Jameis goes out, he throws his picks in the first quarter. All of a sudden, they're in YOLO mode the rest of the game, and they're throwing like crazy, and they're putting up these wild numbers. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, the the Vegas win total for them, it's nine and a half, I believe. So this is a team that's going to win a lot more games, going to be more positive game scripts. Maybe they lean on the, the running game a little more, and we'll talk about them in a bit. But, you know, they're at least trying to put together a backfield. I don't really love what they're doing, but they're <laughs> trying to put together a backfield that could maybe do something. So that's my problem with, with Brady. I don't think the volume is going to be there for him. Because in New England, as quietly as they did it, he always seemed to be in the top 10 for pass attempts when he was in New England. And I don't know. I know as much as Bruce Aaron loves to throw the ball, I just don't know that they're going to need that from Brady at this point. So I don't think the volume is going to be there. And, and that's why I have all these guys ranked. It's hilarious that we're talking about them in this division because I have Matt Ryan 9, I got Brady 10, and I got Breeze 11. And you could kind of shuffle them around a little yeah. bit. But they're locked in as low-end quarterback ones for me. I just don't think they're going to be much better than that. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing here that you know that you just mentioned is that they're trying to not necessarily have to force him to throw the ball. Um, and you know, being a Philly fan, obviously I love Shady. I didn't realize that he was signed there. Also obvious from earlier, but um, you know, I I don't. I don't know what he brings other than experience. Um, you know, he's a smart player. 
He's not gonna he's not gonna blow away defenses anymore, though. You know, he's he's on the downslope, obviously, too. But I, I think the big thing here is with as well as Tampa Bay's defense is going to play, um in theory, um, and with what Brady brings, he can fall more into this game manager role and still win the games. You know, they can he he can blow up the first half and then just go to cruise control in the second half. Uh, let the defense take over. Let the run game take over. He's not going to need to do a lot. They're not going to be throwing a ton trying to win games at, at the last minute because they're behind three scores. So I, I think that definitely helps in his favor. Here's the only thing that I will say, though, in, in Brady's favor, knowing his personality and comparing yeah, it to the Manning I thing. I you were going <laughs> There was a little bit there. Peyton Manning, he wanted to put up huge numbers, right? And when they got in the red zone, he was throwing touchdowns. They weren't running the ball in. He wanted those huge, huge touchdown totals. And he was putting up four or five touchdowns a week. It was wild. I, I owned him yeah. on a couple teams that year. It was fantastic <laughs> for fantasy. I'm sure uh, you guys he was like a first about. round pick in leagues the next year. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he Brady. was terrible. Could you not see Brady have that same kind of mentality, though, right? That he's yeah. like, I want to show everybody that I'm still awesome, that I can put up these big numbers, that maybe I could try to be the MVP. And just every time they're in the red zone, every time they're near the goal line, he's throwing these short passes, you know, hitting Gronk and stuff. And they're yeah. not handing it off to any of those running backs. Oh, 100 percent. I can definitely say I mean, yeah. I, I will say this about Brady. And, and again, being an Eagles fan, I obviously don't like Brady that much. Love the fact that we were the last team to beat him in the Super Bowl, so suck at Brady. But, <laughs> I mean, he's he is the ultimate competitor. All he wants to do is win, and and, and he's clearly won a lot in his career. So I, I think that there's definitely going to be a chip on his shoulder. I definitely see him wanting to just say, screw the game plan. Guess what, Arians? This is my team now just go, you know, pout on the sideline. I'm going to run things from here. Um, call a couple Omaha's, you know, as an homage to uh, Mr. Manning and score touchdowns. So I, I could see that, but I, I just, I feel like overall they'll look at him more to be a, a game manager and that that's all they need him to be at this point because the team is coming up and it's a good team. So. All right, Joe, what do we got? Let's talk about uh, Mr. Bridgewater, the youngest quarterback here, whose age matches his ADP. Uh, yeah, so that's cool. I'll take this question, AJ. It's supposed to be yours, but uh, so in uh, I, oh, never mind. It's it's all good. I got it. Uh, Teddy is not a relevant quarterback <laughs> in one QB leagues, but in a two quarterback league, are you interested in him as your QB two? Or would he be more looked at as a QB three or do you pass all together? I'm actually going to go one step further than that in the positive direction. And I'm going to say, I'm not so sure he won't be relevant in one quarterback leagues. If I'm and so looking at my quarterback strategy in general, I don't normally pay up for Lamar and Mahomes. Sometimes if you get like the Watson Dak level of guys, if they fall enough, I'll take one of them. 
But really, normally I aim to get my quarterback once my starting roster is filled out in the 10th round, around that round, around that range. And that's where you get right now. And that's where you get right now. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. I really like Carson Wentz. I really like Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz this year. Carson Wentz this year. Briefly earlier. Briefly earlier. Just if he can put up quarterback. Just if he can put up quarterback. He has no receivers. He has no receivers. Well, now we're going to give him some weapons. Now we're going to give him some healthy guys and some healthy guys. Do that and see what he can do. And we saw him. And we saw him a couple years ago. Kind of MVP That's what he'll do. Play for four games. You think? No, he likes to no, play at the very end of the season and miss That's the playoffs. True, yeah. He'll play exactly. during the year, and then yeah, in December he'll get hurt and crush yeah, your spirits in the fantasy and playoffs. Just let Nick Foles take it over. But so if I don't end up taking one of those guys in that range, and I'm will at that point, I'm willing to let's wait because there are so many quarterbacks. You can make an argument this year for for 24, 24, 25 quarterbacks who could start or at least you could stream. And at that point, I'm I'm looking at. Bridgewater, I'm looking at Gardner Minshew. I'll take those guys at the end. And if they don't work out, well, guess what? There's probably a bunch of other guys who are going to be on the waiver wire. You know, maybe Joe Burrow didn't get drafted. Maybe Phillip Rivers does something. Jimmy Garoppolo. There's so many quarterbacks. You can just stream with those guys. It's been proven. But maybe Minshew or Bridgewater, maybe these guys turn into potential weekly starters for you, right? And with Minshew, we're not going to get into it. I know we're talking about the NFC South, but with Minshew, underrated rushing totals that's kind of what pushes him up a little bit with Bridgewater it's going to be the volume this team is going to throw the ball so much last year they were very sneaky as the second highest pass attempts in the entire league they had 633 pass attempts and guess what they go out and just dismantle that defense they bring in a bunch of rookies they're going to be in a ton of shootout situations again that's what's going to happen I think Teddy is underappreciated I'm not making that argument whatsoever here, but he was in a good situation last year when he started those five games when Breeze was out and he showed he can produce for fantasy. He was the the quarterback 12 during those five games during that little stretch and he showed he can have a ceiling. He had a a game where he had 314 passing yards, had four touchdowns against the Bucs, who is a defense we've talked about. It's a little bit better. They're not really bottom of the barrel. So he has a little bit more of a ceiling. And even if he is, he profiles as a quarterback that is probably going to want to take more shots in the short to intermediate range of the field. Well, guess what? He's got all these yak monsters on that offense now, right? CMC and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. You give him a field stretcher and Robbie Anderson. I don't know what their, you know, efficiency is going to be together, but he's there to stretch defenses out a little bit. You got at least a promising young tight end, Ian Thomas. I don't know if he's really going to produce anything, but you got him there as well. And then you got these new coaches showing up. You got these offensive-minded guys, Matt Rule, Joe Brady. And Brady last year had that historic season as the OC with LSU. But also, before that, he was with the Saints when Bridgewater was there. Bridgewater already knows this offense. So in this weird offseason where you're going to have a lot of these guys that change teams, a lot of these rookies are going to be playing catch-up over the next month here when they get to training camp. Yeah, the, the virtual meetings were great. But over the next month, when they finally get on the field, they're playing catch up. Bridgewater already knows this offense. So I think that's going to help him. I think he's not somebody that's exciting by any means, but he's somebody that at the end of the year, we could look up and he could be on that, that fringe, that low end QB one range as well. Maybe a high end QB two, a guy who certainly could be a streamer early in the year. And then you go from there and see what happens. But Somebody who's being underrated because, well, you have to pay up for the Brady's and the Ryan's and, and, you know, all those guys. 
Bridgewater is completely free. You get him with your last pick and you see if it works out. And if not, like I said, you're going to stream the rest of the way. So that's a strategy that I'm totally willing to employ. And I think he's somebody that's getting overlooked completely. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally sure how I feel about Bridgewater. I mean, I think he's, I think he's talented and he, and he showed well with, with the saints in in his short amount of time there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think I do think he's being underrated. Uh, I just I'm not really sure I'm willing to to buy in on him being being like a usable quarterback every week. Yet he's definitely streamable. Uh, you know, McCaffrey's there and DJ Moore. That's huge. So I I love that. Um, but it's it's one of those I I, I kind of need to wait and see with him. I'm not willing to take the plunge yet. It's hard to move him up the rankings. And once again, it just goes to how deep quarterback is, right? When you start to look mm-hmm. at those names, who are you moving him above? It's tough to get him higher than, than 20 or so. But I do think he has that upside. Not top five upside, but, no. you know, top top 15 upside maybe. Yeah, I, I could see top 15 for sure. So, all yeah. right, let's jump over to the running backs here. Um, obviously, McCaffrey here won. Got Alvin Kamara at four, Todd Gurley at 18, Ronald Jones at 35, Keyshawn Vaughn at 40, Latavius Murray at 45, and then we drop all the way down to some just guys. Brian Hill, 72, Edo Smith, 78, and Dari, I wanted to embarrass myself on air, Oguna Boale, 89. Did I do it? <laughs> you did it. You did it. I have no idea. Uh, I kind of made that up. All right. <laughs> You, so, you made up his name. <laughs> I, I made up the pronunciation. I had no idea. I just kind of went with it. Uh, anyway, McCaffrey, the obvious number one pick this year. Not. A, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about here, but just just wanted to ask you. I mean, I guess maybe your your last answer with with Teddy kind of already answered this, but just in case, I mean, any concerns with new coach, new QB that he's not going to return the number one value? This I mean, concerns, I'm not too worried, no. I mean, I know the odds are against a running back being the the overall RB1 in fantasy in back-to-back years. It doesn't happen that often. But there also aren't that many backs like Christian McCaffrey, right? Like two years ago, he goes out and sets the record for receptions by a running back with like 107. And then last year comes back, beats his own record, and puts up 116 catches, I believe it was. So people who act like it's, it's impossible to to do this back-to-back thing it's not impossible there's guys that have done it i mean emmett smith marshall falk uh, i think priest holmes did it it just it happened a while ago right if you're only looking at the last 10 years that hasn't happened recently but it definitely can happen and if i put my chip on a guy who has the best chance to to do it and to finish as the rb1 overall this year it's going to be mccaffrey mccaffrey Makes total sense to me. <laughs> I, I agree. So I don't think there's really much else to talk here with McCaffrey. He's just, he's the guy. So AJ moving right along, man. All right. So next we've got Mr. Kamara. Um, so we, we kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. He had a bit of a down season, um, mostly due to the nagging injuries, but he also had a major touchdown uh, reduction. Um, I mean, he's still going super early in drafts. Is it right to expect a bounce back with him, um, or could the the touchdowns, the you know the first two seasons that he had, is that more of like an outlier? And and now we're gonna kind of settle in for what we saw last year. 
No, I, I think we're going to see a bounce back. I mean, the, the touchdowns the second season were high for sure. I mean, 18 scores mm-hmm. that should, you know, open the eyes of Aaron Jones owners and they should take a look at that because he had 19 touchdowns last year and the regression comes for you, right? You just don't expect the regression to take you to the complete opposite end of the spectrum, which is what happened to Kamara last year, you know, 10 or 11 touchdowns. He goes all the way down to six total touchdowns, which was crazy. He had like that uh, nine game stretch where he didn't even find the end zone at all. Like nobody saw any of that coming. And sure, some of it was because the injury, like you got to factor all of that in. The touchdown regression, it burned him last year, but now I think it's going to go the other way. I think this year it's actually going to help him a little bit, right? Through the first six games last year, that's when he suffered that, I think it was a high ankle sprain, right? Through the first six games, you look at his on-pace stats, he was on pace for over 300 touches. And last year, at the end of the season, there was nine backs that had at least 300 touches last year, and only two of them had less than eight touchdowns, and both those guys were on losing teams. Kamara's not going to be on a losing team this year. I think we can feel pretty confident saying that. The Saints are going to win a, a bunch of games. We've already mentioned that. So I think that's important. Um, we had uh, Dr. Edmund Porras. Um, he's an injury analyst over at Fantasy Points. We had him on our podcast uh, a month or so ago. And he pointed out that in the first six weeks before that Kamara injury, he was second best in tackles forced per touch. And then after the injury, he fell to 39th. So there was a big difference in his production, his efficiency there, the injury, he was just grinding it out the rest of the way. Right. So I actually love Kamara in the range there and like the, the fourth or fifth pick overall, I'm willing to take him. It's basically him and and Dalvin cook right there. And you just make your decision between the two of them, the two of them. All right. Anything on uh, Kamara Joe? No, I, I like him. I mean, again, I, I, I agree with Jetson. I don't think eight, I'm looking in like the 10, 12, you know, range type of thing. Even 14 might be slightly high, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's going to be good as long as he's healthy. So, um, Todd Gurley over in Atlanta, given a second chance. Uh, I mean, running back 18 for a guy who just a couple years ago was like the top dog for running backs. And everybody wanted this guy, even dynasty, like just number one guy, 100%. But even at RB18, I mean, like, are the knee issues enough for you to avoid him at that cost? It depends on your roster build. I, I'd i still be willing to take him. You just have to know what you're getting now, right? And the days of Gurley being that top five back and maybe being the, the RB1 overall, that ain't happening anymore, right? You could see it last year. The explosiveness is gone a little bit. The knee issue, it's a problem. And he was still able to produce last year, mostly because the way the Rams were using him. They were giving him all these goal line touches. They were giving him a ton of volume. Now, Mm -hmm. the passing numbers came down a little bit, but he was still getting a lot of carries and a lot of scoring opportunities. And that kept him in that RB2 range. Now he's going to another team where it kind of seems like he's set up the same way, right? Like, you have another team that's pretty decent offense here. One of the, the better offenses, I would say, in the league. A team that has pretty much no competition in that running back room. There was like a, I saw Mike Clay retweet something where uh, recently where it was like some of the players thought that Brian Hill should have got a chance to be the starter. If they didn't sign a free agent, Brian Hill had his chance last year and he's kind of fumbled it away. Right. Like, I I don't know that Brian Hill's ever going to be the answer. If I had to put my, my chip on one of the backups there, if Gurley does go down, I guess it would be Hill, but it's probably going to turn into some sort of committee of 
if Gurley gets injured or, you know, hopefully, you know, but if he gets a COVID situation or he misses time or anything, it would probably turn into some sort of a committee there. So I think he's going to a team that's going to have a better line than the Rams had. I mean, they got the young guys on the right side, Chris Lidstrom, uh, Caleb McGarry. They're going into their second year. You think the line's going to be a little better. So I don't know if, if as long as you understand that he is a volume dependent guy at mm-hmm. this point, that he doesn't have that upside, he can give you those RB two numbers, maybe not too much more than that. Then yeah, I'm okay with taking him. but he's just one of these guys. that's just not exciting. If you're looking for a fun player that you want to watch every week, I don't think Gurley's going to be that guy. Now there's a lot of guys like right around where he, he sits and he's kind of floating around the draft. I'm almost like, I'd rather have this guy and I click on the other guy instead. I just kind of like early <laughs> I fall. I, mean, like, I don't blame you at all. I mean, if he were to fall into like running back 22, 24, something like that, like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll do it. But he's not. Uh, even though I've got him ranked up there where he's going, it's just, I don't really want him. <laughs> like you just said, it's just kind of blah. Fantasy football needs to be fun too, besides just, you know, <laughs> I get winning's fun, but. I like I like I like enjoying watching the players I draft too. I get it. So, yeah. All right. So uh, dipping back into Tampa Bay here. So the running back situation has been a pretty heated debate throughout the off season here. Obviously, you've got people that are on Team Rojo, and then the anti Rojos who like Keyshawn Vaughn. Whose side are you on, and why? Well, now it's a whole now it's shady, yeah, right? exactah, yeah, I know I'm Roy reading this. I'm well. like, um, why this was written three days here. ago, sorry I, <laughs> <laughs> well you could tell by my rankings like i I have them pretty far down. I was shying away from them even before they brought shady in, and make no mistake, shady is washed. Shady had a great opportunity last year with the chiefs, and he didn't really produce very much, so it's nice that he's gonna go to the bucks and. They're going to have all this fanfare because Brady and Gronk and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think that Shady is going to be the guy. I don't think he's somebody you want to get in fantasy. I think this is going to turn into a, a really big nightmare and, and sort of a committee there. Rojo, Keyshawn Vaughn, they're decent. I mean, the thing about those guys is they're not really spectacular in any part of their game, right? So I get the the feeling why the coaching staff, why the front office wants to bring in somebody else. I get, I mean, let's face it, Brady's probably calling the shots there right now. And he's saying, I, I need a veteran that I can trust and and let's go get him. I, I just think this one's, it's a big, no, thank you for me. I don't want anybody in this backfield. I don't want to have to deal with it. You're going to have all these guys probably involved. You're going to have maybe Dario Gumbawale, like you said, even involved on some passing downs. It wouldn't shock me at all. And we've seen this happen a few times, right? Remember when Adrian Peterson went to the saints and it didn't really work out for him. And he was very quickly, he was gone. Um, it wouldn't shock me at all if we see something like that happen here with McCoy. And he doesn't even make the team for week one, uh, despite the fact that everybody seems very excited about him today. People overreact on Twitter. It's yes. just silly. <laughs> just stay away from this backfield entirely. Because also, go back to what we mentioned earlier. Maybe Brady's just going to throw for all these touchdowns, and they're not even going to put up a, a big rushing touchdown total on the year. Kind of why I like Dari Ogunbowale Yep, mess that one up. That I like time. the hesitation before you say it. Every yes, time. I have to you think about yourself it. Up, yeah. <laughs> go uh, anyway, God bless you, Dario. Um, <laughs> that's kind of why I like him. I feel like he could play like that James White role a little Definitely bit. Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's it's huge. I mean, 
Sure, James White didn't have a ton of great games. You know, not every week, but he has some pretty monster games, you know, enough that he was a flex play, you know, more often than not. So I like it. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely off this backfield. I just wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> I didn't know where they were headed. Um, so, all right, let's move in here with some wide receivers. Again, another number one spot here. Michael Thomas at one, Julio Jones, five, Chris Godwin, six, Mike Evans, eight, DJ Moore, 15, Calvin Ridley, 17. Ooh, boy, that's a lot of good receivers. Uh, dropping down, though, Emmanuel Sanders at 41, Robbie Anderson at 51, and then Curtis Samuel at 58. I'm sure there's more. I stopped. <laughs> this is a lot of receivers already. So um, start here right off the top, man. Michael Thomas, you know, records, record-breaking 2019, 149 catches, 185 targets, both insane numbers. Nobody's expecting that to happen again. That's just, you know, obviously record breaking, just not, you know, not repeatable in my opinion. He's still the safest receiver out of this entire group. Like not just the NFC South guys, but like in all of football, right? Number one receiver target. Hands- uh, no, I've moved recently. I moved Devonte Adams above him. Now here's the thing. Right. Here, here's why last year. Thomas was set up perfectly, right? They didn't really have another receiver that you thought was going to get big volume. He was going to get all these targets, and guess what? That's what happened. This year now, with Emmanuel Sanders being there, it actually gives him a legit number two, right? So now I don't know. Thomas is still going to get a ton of volume. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to argue that whatsoever. But I kind of think Adams is set up the way Thomas was last year, right? He's the guy now that doesn't really have a number two in that offense, He's the guy now that I think is going to lead the league in targets. And he's the one that, you know, might have something similar to that Thomas season last year. I don't know. If I, he's going to I be. wonder if there's a little bit to that. Rodgers and the Green Bay offense now, the way it's set up, plays a little more conservative. They like to run the ball a lot. And for good reason, they got Aaron Jones. You know, this year they brought in uh, A.J. Dillon to kind of be a little more short yardage guy. Uh they still had Williams there that, I mean, that's their game plan and, you know, trying to rely on the defense a little bit more. I wonder if, if that's, what's going to make Adams not get as many targets as you would think it's possible, but also the thing with him, I mean, I think we would both agree. These two guys are going to get a ton of targets, right? These two guys (laughs) are going to get a ton of targets. The other thing with Adams too, is we've seen him put up really big touchdown totals. Mm -hmm. Like he can, he can deliver that part of the game as well. So they're neck and neck. Like, we're, yeah. that's why it's funny. Right? I know. People, it's nitpicky. When people look at your I... rankings, you know. Like, I'm sure you get the same thing where people go, why do you have this guy seven and this guy ten, right? It's like, well, actually, when you look at their projections, it's really close, right? Yeah. Like, it's, Dude, it's like four points, guys. Yeah, like three spots is not that big of a difference. So it's the same thing. These two guys, I have them in the same range. You know, I would take both of them in the middle of the first round, and I'd be happy to have either on my team. The thing when with roster builds – I probably want to go running back in the first round normally, but I am willing to do that if I feel like I can get, you know, a Josh Jacobs or somebody in the second round. Um, and then I can still have that, that running back early and feel pretty confident there. So uh, these guys are both great. You know, if you want to make an argument that Thomas is number one this year, I had him number one, most of the off season. So I'm not going to stop you there whatsoever. And I think they're the clear top two, but I moved Adams up because I do think he's going to get a lot of targets because I don't have a lot of faith in Alan Lazard or anybody else in that that Green Bay passing game. Jay Sturberger? No? No. 
no, no, not going to do it for me. Nah, I, I, I nitpick it. You know, no, I always no, ask those no, not him questions <laughs> just, just to, just to get some conversation going. So I, uh, I, I do agree with you though. I do have Thomas one, but again, it's, it's kind of flip of the coin, honestly, that they're both right there. So, all right, moving all on. Right. So a uh, former number one guy, Mr. Julio Jones. I mean, dude still just turns out productive season after productive season after productive season. Uh, but there's some talk now that Calvin Ridley is going to overtake Julio this year or at the very least improve enough to make Julio not worth this top pick. Which side are you on the, on the Atlanta? No, I mean, you know, Julio's 31. Okay, fine. Injuries are possible. Like I was talking about earlier, you know, the COVID IR stretch, all that stuff's possible. If he stays healthy, though, I'm taking Julio all the way. Like, I have him ranked number three right behind those last two guys that we talked about. Mm -hmm. The guy has pretty much, I mean, last year he fell just short by six yards. He pretty much has 1,400 yards, six straight seasons here, right? He had 1,394. He's got at least 83 receptions in all of those years. He's been above 148 targets each of the last three seasons. Like, let's not overthink this here. Calvin Ridley's a great player. He's going to have some big spike games. I think he's going to have a good season as well. We saw him come on after most Sanu left last year. It was a brief stretch before he got hurt, but Ridley had some really good production during that stretch. He's going to have a good season. He's going to be a wide receiver too. But Julio Jones, he's the closest thing we have to Calvin Johnson at this point. The guy's phenomenal. Don't overthink it. He probably should be a first-round pick. If you can get him in the second round, like now we're talking again about roster builds, you get one of those solid running backs in the first round. You come back around and get Julio, great start. That's a great start to your drafts. Yeah, I agree. Joe? Yeah, I, Julio Jones is super safe. You wish, you know, we wish we got the touchdowns out of him. Unfortunately, they're just not, you know – the high numbers aren't going to be there. You know, he's going to score five, six, maybe seven, eight at best. That's just what it is. Um, I do like Calvin Ridley a lot this year, though. I am a huge Calvin Ridley believer. You mentioned it, and we were talking a little bit before the show about how well he played in those first few games after Sanu left. And then, unfortunately, he got hurt. I mean, he was like, I think he was wide receiver, two for those first few weeks. Right behind Michael Thomas, of course. Uh of course, it was still like two points per game average behind Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas was just a machine last year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Ridley Ridley almost carried me to a dynasty championship in a league I have not won many times, but then he got hurt. And of course, that's what happens to me like three times now. I've lost once one year. Last year was Ridley right before the playoffs, and uh, I did not win any either one of those years. Those should have been it. But uh, my pity party aside... Ridley, I'm a big fan of his this year. So go ahead and draft him, guys. Go go target him early. So moving on here, back over to those Tampa Bay Bucks. Godwin and Evans, man. Whew. They finished wide receiver two and three in points per game. Now, obviously, the late season injuries just crushed fantasy owners last year. Nothing you can do about it, guys. It sucks. I feel you, man. Um, you know, that was with Winston under center. I mean, and we know that Winston just gunslinger, just going to chuck it down the field. Let his guys go make plays. He didn't care about the interceptions. I mean, 30, 30 guy, right? You know, (laughs) got to make history, uh, whatever way you can. I mean, is Tom Brady, you know, you mentioned, we've mentioned how he might just be kind of a, a little bit more of a, 
you know, a game manager, can he keep their value up doing that? I mean, do you blame Brady though? If it's a volume thing, like I think it goes back to that. I don't know if that's Brady's fault. I don't know if it's going to be because Brady's declining or anything like that. I just think it goes back to the volume and the fact that Gronk's there now and Gronk and him have that connection. And even if Gronk doesn't put up big yardage, I think there's a good chance that Gronk puts up a decent touchdown total. So that's going to hurt those guys, right? I think they had eight and nine touchdowns between them, something like that last year. So, and I think that the tight ends overall last year in Tampa, it wasn't a high total. It was like five or six <laughs> touchdowns between all of them. Um, so I think Gronk's going to outdo that. Plus whatever, if Bray plays, whatever, you know, OJ Howard adds to that. We could see the tight ends put up, a, you know, a bigger touchdown total overall between them this year. And that's going to take away from those guys and, and overall volume and, and lower targets. I don't blame Brady for that. I just, you know, I no. look at the fact that the team's going to be successful and they're not going to need to be in those, you know, comeback situations all the time. And unfortunately, you know, as as much as you hate to see a team losing, those fourth quarter situations when you're in comeback mode, they can be pretty good for fantasy. And I don't know if they're going to be in those situations as much this year. Yeah. Uh, I 100% agree with you. I mean, I don't have my rankings pulled up right now. Probably should have for the show, but I didn't. Uh, I mean, Godwin's and Evans at six and eight. I mean, I get why they are there, but I feel like they shouldn't be. Like I've been avoiding. Like I let them pass me. Honestly, I just I feel like they're they're kind of risky at that point. Yeah, I have I have Godwin still in my top ten, but I have Evans now in like my top fifteen. Depends on the the scoring format, but mm-hmm. he's in my top fifteen. That's a little lower than I think you would have expected him to be, right? Yeah, but. The other thing that's weird, it goes back to what we were talking about a second ago of like, once you get past the first four or five receivers, like wide receiver six to wide receiver 17 is like one of the toughest stretches for me to rank this year. Like when you're doing the projections, I'm probably going to shuffle that group up, you know, 20 times before the season starts because all those guys are are so close. You're just kind of, you know, splitting them by hairs right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I haven't updated my rankings in in a few weeks. Uh, but I've got Godwin seven and Evans nine, so I'm kind of right there with them. But I kind of feel like I want to slide them down ever so ever so slightly, just because I just I get I get a bad feeling about the 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 volume again that you've mentioned of this passing offense and just how it's going to affect these two monster receivers. So they're good; they're going to have monster games, but it, it, maybe the consistency won't be there as much as we hope. So. All right, so moving on to the Panthers, we got Mr. DJ Moore. So he finished as a wide receiver 18 overall last year, 19th in uh, points per game. He's being drafted way better than that, though. Uh, I mean, do you think Teddy is going to help take his game like to match that draft cost, or is he still kind of being drafted well, I mean, you, you know that I love this situation, right? After mm-hmm. how I talked about Teddy earlier. Yep. I mean, okay, let's go back to Moore's rookie season. So he puts up 55 catches, 788 yards. So good numbers, right? And Cam Newton was playing most of that year. It's not bad at all. Then he loses Newton very early last season, and he ends up with this backup level quarterback in Kyle Allen. I'm sorry, Kyle Allen, but he's not an NFL starter, right? We saw it last year. Poor Curtis Samuel, he couldn't throw the ball anywhere near him downfield. Mm. Kyle Allen is not a good quarterback. He is a backup-level guy at the NFL. And still, despite all of that, 
DJ Moore puts up 87 catches and 1,175 yards. Like when you look back at those numbers, it's almost stunning that he was able to do that with the quarterback play that they had there. And now you bring in Teddy Bridgewater, who, if you want to compare him to Kyle Allen, I'm even okay with that, right? Teddy, like I said earlier, he's not an elite quarterback, but he is much better than Kyle Allen. He's going to be way more efficient than Kyle Allen. He's going to do a lot of the same things. He's going to want to stick in that short to intermediate range, but that's fine for DJ Moore, right? That's great. Let's give DJ Moore that ball and let's see what he can do after the catch because the guy is just phenomenal in that area with it. And and there's a ton of stats you can look at here. I mean, you know, he's now compiled the, the ninth most receiving yards in NFL history before the age of 23. That puts him in phenomenal company. Uh, you know, um, Andrew Erickson of PFF, he tweeted that uh, of all NFL players in their first two seasons that have accumulated at least 140 receptions and 1,900 receiving yards, no player has scored fewer touchdowns than DJ Moore with six touchdowns. And that is the only thing holding him back. Mm. That might be the only thing that doesn't propel him right now into like my top five in my rankings, honestly, is the fact that he hasn't proven that he can score touchdowns. But we know touchdowns can be a really, really fluky thing, right? From year to year. And when you talk about a guy like that, that, you know, he's putting up the yardage, he's putting up the catches. Normally, the touchdowns eventually come there. So regression is totally going to come for him and I think Teddy's going to help him we talked about the coaching staff I think just the general that offense is going to start to get a little better here I I love more this year and I think this time next year we're going to be talking about him as a top five guy in fantasy yeah I actually had two guys that fell out of my top 10 as I moved on with my rankings but my initial list back in uh, April (laughs) uh I had I had both him and Cortland Sutton in my top ten, and then like reevaluated some things and, and dropped them out. But they're still up there. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. DJ Morris is a playmaker. It's just it's just a matter of of you know you you want to look at guys that might be able to score some more touchdowns when you're kind of looking at all the guys that can kind of be the same. He hasn't done it yet, so that's why he drops a little bit. Um, in my opinion, there's other guys above him that have that have hit the touchdowns and have got just as many yards, maybe more catches too. So that you got to you got to factor that in. So well, it might be like the Julio thing, right? Where we might never see him put up a exactly. ten touchdown season, but even if he gets up to you know six or eight touchdowns, that would be enough to to move yep. him up the the rankings, right? I, and have him finish even higher. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, let's move on here. Last topic. Last position. Tight ends. Got uh, Cook at nine, Gronk at eleven, Hayden Hurst at fourteen, and then OJ Howard at twenty-four, and then Ian Thomas at twenty-six. Start off here with uh, with Jared Cook and uh, like touchdown-dependent type of player last season. Kind of been that way the last couple seasons. Very efficient with all of that. I mean. Are we are we banking on on him, you know, repeating that sort of efficiency to to even return a tight end nine? I mean, he could finish around that range, you know, if he puts up a half decent touchdown total. But the reason we were targeting him last year is because he was kind of that de facto number two pass catching mm-hmm. weapon, maybe number three if you want to include Kamara, but maybe the the number two downfield pass catching weapon in that offense. But now that they bring in Emmanuel Sanders you can't feel as confident about it. So now he's going to be even more 
touchdown dependent. Yeah. And we know with tight ends, if they put up an okay touchdown total, they're going to probably crack the top 10, right? It's that kind of position. But I don't know that I want to bet on Cook doing that with, you know, a healthy Kamara there with Emmanuel Sanders right. there. And obviously Michael Thomas, I'm going to look elsewhere in a year where there are so many deep tight ends to look at. There are so many breakout candidates that you can get in the later rounds. I'm probably going to err in favor of those guys. I agree. I I only grabbed Cook and Scott Fishbowl because he like he actually went after my other target who I took ahead of him who was who's ranked behind him, but not in my rankings. But I just was like, and it, we'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, not to give him away, but uh, <laughs> I was like. He he just kept falling, and I was like, "Well, fine, I'll take him as my tight end too." And Scott Fishbowl, it's still tight end premium. I'll I'll do it. Might as well. Yeah. All right. So we've uh, touched on this a little bit earlier as well. We've got the return of Gronk. So he's now back with his buddy Brady. Uh, I mean, are, are you fading Gronk or, you know, with the year off and the injury history? Or is he just, you know, rejuvenated because of all that? I don't know that we have that answer, right? Like, what did the year off do for him? Because the last time we saw him, the numbers weren't great. Everybody remembers that. Did the year off really help him? We're going to see what I think is going to happen. We've kind of alluded to it the whole time here. I don't think he's going to put up a big yardage total when you're playing with guys like Chris Godwin, like Mike Evans. I think you're just looking at him to put up a big touchdown total. And I do think he can still do that. So it's going to depend on his ADP. He's a big name. And we kind of mentioned this with the quarterbacks, right? When these guys are these well-known names, sometimes in casual leagues, they go off the board much, much higher than maybe they should, even higher than ADP at times. And if that's the case, no thank you. No thank you whatsoever. And I will wait on one of those late round guys. But going back to Scott Fishbowl, Scott Fishbowl, I got Gronk as the tight end 16. Wow. I was stunned. He wasn't somebody I was targeting whatsoever, but that's a tight end premium league. To get him as the tight end 16, I was like, yeah, okay, let's let's do that. And my whole strategy with tight end in Scott Fishbowl was if I don't get one of the top guys, I am just going to wait and wait yep. and wait and then try to stack some guys together. And when I saw Gronk there at tight end 16, it was like, that's probably too good to be true. Even yeah. if it doesn't turn out well, the, the price that I paid for him – I'll be fine. I'll be able to get over it. So that would be my recommendation. If you get him sort of a little lower than ADP, I'm fine with it. But, you know, you're really taking a chance that he has to put up that big touchdown total in order to be a a real weekly star in your lineup. The best part about Gronk was the New Year's thing that he did with uh, Steve (laughs) Harvey. It was... Was it a Lego? It Lego was thing just that he absurd. I he smashed. No, he smashed like a bust of Steve Harvey. I think <laughs> it was like cake or something that was made, and they brought this thing out and sang the Steve Harvey or did something. I don't remember. But then he just took this thing and spikes it, and Harvey's just looking at him like, "What? what? <laughs> Fuck's yeah, wrong?" He with looked you? at him like he was <laughs> from another planet. What, what right? are you doing? Yeah. yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, you were talking about Gronk being tight end 14, and I mentioned I to Cook. Cook was tight end 14 in my league. So I was like, I mean, at that point, <laughs> again, you didn't want Gronk. I didn't really want Cook, but tight end 14, okay. Yeah, you take him there for sure. Round 11. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was insane. Just kept... Okay, fine, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> 
right. Off to my guy, tight end 10 in Scott Fishball, which I, I still have him ranked a little higher than that even. Hayden Hurst gets to take over for Austin Hooper, who was tight end number one after the first 10 weeks of the NFL season last year. Injury slowed him down. Um, I just feel like Hurst is super undervalued. Not that I want to give it away for anybody who's in my leagues. I hope you're not listening because um, I want him all day. I mean, this guy has got to be better than tight end 14, right? I don't know where you're getting him tight end 14, though. Like he, That's his ADP on, on Fantasy Pros, uh, man. Wow, that that's crazy. That must be a little outdated. Like when I look at uh, like best ball tens kind of thing, yeah. um, I think in July his July ADP is like tight end nine. Like the hype, it's definitely caught up to him. Like he's up in that range. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I still think he can do better than tight end nine. Like so. I would still probably take him in that range. Now you're taking a chance. You're betting that he can move into the situation and, and give you what Austin Hooper gave you last season there. And yeah, th- there's a little bit of risk there, but. There's some reasons that he didn't succeed in Baltimore, right? You're talking about a first-round talent. That's where they took him. Everybody talks about it. He went before Lamar Jackson, all that sort of stuff, right? Then he gets banged up in that first offseason as a rookie. And then he injures his foot. I think he fractured it. And now he misses time. And he gets passed in the depth chart by by Mark Andrews. And, yeah, it turns out Mark Andrews is also a very good tight end in the league. And guess what? Hayden Hurst is not going to take that job again. So this is like the best thing that could have possibly happened to him. Because when you look at, even though he wasn't playing like starting uh, snaps last year, PFF had him ranked as the 12th best tight end in their grades. So you gotta, you gotta look at something like that, right? Like that's telling you that this player has some talent. The athleticism is there. We know that you can look at his metrics. All of that is there. So now you put this guy in this situation where Austin Hooper produced last year it was unbelievable 97 targets and he only played 13 games the volume for the tight end in the atlanta offense has been there for years and austin hooper just showed it recently even so i i love it you're you're completely buying into the fact that i think he's a better athlete than austin hooper i think he's better after the catch than austin hooper and even if he only gets 75 percent of those targets that austin hooper got last season that still puts him in the top Huge. 12 among tight ends. Like, it's that Probably simple. Top five. Like, Dirk Cutter always wants to feature the tight end. It's just an environment where Hooper went off. You have, I mean, we've already talked about them. Julio, Calvin Ridley. They're going to draw so much attention that that's why Hooper was getting all those catches underneath. Now Hayden Hurst is going to get those catches. I think he's going to thrive in this offense. And I, I think he has top five upside this year because that's what we saw. Austin Hooper last year, I think it was through week 10, whenever, before he got hurt, there was a stretch where he was the tight end one last season. Yeah. 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 No, I, and I'll say this. I was so lucky. I waited on tight end and Scott fishball. He somehow fell to me at the eight ten. I took a huge chance to not just snatch him when I wanted to. And I was like, please, please, please let him come back to me. And he totally did. And I was just like, oh, man, I'm set. I'm so happy now. Like, my team could just tank and I'm good. <laughs> like, this, is, I'd be happy with my draft at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, I ended up getting Hurst in Fishbowl after a brutal run that started with uh, one, two, three, four picks away from me. Tight ends. Tight ends just sat in my league for whatever reason. I grabbed Ingram as T T six 
at the 611. And then finally they started moving in the ninth round. So come to the 10th round and you get Johnny Smith goes. Then you got Gasecki, who I was targeting. Then you get Cook at tight end 14. And then it's my turn and I took Hurst as tight end 15. So I'm loving it. Um, I think he's going to definitely excel. He's going to, I mean, he's, he's big and he's fast. Like when he gets in open space, he's gone. Like you're not catching this dude, Um, you know, and, uh, and if you do catch him, he's going to be hard to take down. So love the pick. Love you see that right in a video where he like had the, the barbell above his head and he like got up one handed. He had him above his head one handed and he was laying flat on the ground and he like gets up like without using the other hand to like prop himself up. It's insane. <laughs> He's ridiculous. I'm so. sure you could just like find it on Twitter somewhere. It's all over the place. I saw it was like this dude. It's a machine. He is. He <laughs> absolutely is. And I mean, he was drafted very high, too. So, yeah. you know, Baltimore saw saw what he could bring and, you know. Then they decided Andrews was their guy. So Atlanta's like, okay, we'll, we'll take that. Thanks. The only thing so. worth mentioning is he's a little bit older. He's on the older side. So in he Dynasty, he doesn't yeah. have maybe yeah. as much value. Uh, that's yeah. the only I was thing, though, but this year he's going to be fine. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see how old he actually was. But all right, AJ, let's finish this up with all the right. last question. Ian Thomas. So it feels like he's being a little bit disrespected in the ADP here, um, You know, given the departure of Greg Olson. Uh, do you agree with that? And Yeah, I do kind of agree with it. I think he's all right. Like we saw, he didn't really look great in limited opportunities last year. Two years ago, he looked a little bit better. And I think that's where the hope kind of comes from. But with all those late round guys uh, and all the, you know, all the late round tight ends you could look at, and then all the mouths to feed in Carolina, we've talked about them already. I don't know. He's going to be what the, the fourth or fifth option in that passing game even though they're i think they're gonna throw so much i don't know if i'm that excited about that i think i would rather have guys that are going you know guys that are going after him in adp like chris herndon um eric ebron even irv smith i think i would take all of those guys over ian thomas right now it it's a tough it's a tough uh it's tough one with those guys like it's 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 not somebody I'm I'm looking to go after, you know. It's just even in in like double tight end leagues or you know tight end premium leagues, it's just kind of one of those like, eh. There's been games where like you think he's gonna bust out because Olsen's been hurt a lot and he just doesn't. So I'm just kind of like, eh, all right, fine. Uh, so I'm kind of over him. I want to see him prove it a little bit. So maybe that's why the ADP is low. Maybe a lot of people agree with that uh, as well. So I don't know. AJ, do you got it? You know, any different feelings on on Ian Thomas? No, I mean I, I I like him, but I agree. There's there's way too much going on there. I mean, if you had to choose though, receiver wise, are you look like, you like Robbie Anderson or Curtis Samuel to take over more as the number two guy? I yeah, love that yeah. question. I would take Curtis Samuel because even going back to just today, Matt Rule spoke and talked about the opportunity that Curtis Samuel had. And he kind of mentioned the fact that the quarterback didn't do him any favors last year and that they're going to put him in a position to succeed where he's a guy that you shouldn't just be running him down the field. You should be getting him the ball 
in that short to intermediate range. And it sounds like mm-hmm. that's what they're going to do. Samuel's a guy who could even, you know, he could take some handoffs in the backfield. He's really versatile. Um, and it seems like they're going to use him that way. So that's kind of exciting. And Robbie Anderson, I like the talent, but I just don't think he meshes very well with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I, you know, Teddy's, some people say he's a little bit better of a deep ball thrower, but I don't know that you're going to see enough volume for Robbie Anderson. I think he's just going to be there to stretch the field and keep defenses honest. Um, so I'm worried about him. I didn't love the landing spot for him when he went to Carolina. Helps the offense as a whole, but doesn't help him for fantasy. Even though he is a Temple boy. <laughs> that background with him. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. It's possible. But I don't big, think the volume is going to be there for him to put up big enough stats to be a, a fantasy starter. Yeah. 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 I agree. I mean, he could get, get he could get game planned into a few games, but I don't think it's going to be enough. It's going to be more McCaffrey, and, and I agree. I think Samuels is, is the number three there. So, all right, man. Uh, Justin, thank you for coming on. That's all we got. Uh, before we let you go, though, remind everybody where they can find you on Twitter and all that kind of good stuff and what you got in score for this for the score. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, where you can find my stuff on Twitter, at Justin Boone. And then everything, just download the score app. It is free. Our draft kit's on there. It's free. It's got my rankings, got all kinds of content. We're updating it daily all the way until week one. Um, that's really all the score fantasy football podcast. We're, we're ramping up the episodes now. We're going to do two, three episodes a week. Um, that's everything. And if you got questions, like I said, hit me up on Twitter. I love engaging with everybody on Twitter. It's really fun. And, and once again, appreciate you guys having me on. And always love competing with you, Joe, in the <laughs> Fantasy Pros contest. I'm coming for you. I'm going to go toe-to-toe again this year. <laughs> yeah, sounds good, man. You got that big number one trophy behind you. I couldn't fit my number five behind me, unfortunately. So uh, it's, it's good stuff, though, man. But uh, have a good, another good battle this year with, you know, Jake Sheely's and John Paulson's and the Sean Kerners and stuff like that. So it's Definitely. all good. Can't wait. All right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. All right. Have a good night, man. Take care, guys. All right. See you. All right, AJ. That's all I've got. Um, yeah, not much else, man. It's uh, I'm I'm watching Dylan Bundy apparently implode in 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 LA. Apparently, I don't know. I got a tweet something about uh, he, he sucked in the first inning, and I was like, oh, good. He's 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 definitely yeah. He's allowed four runs. Or no, that's not him. Where'd he go? Three runs. Oh, he's yeah. He settled down. He had a bad first inning, but he settled down. So I don't know if he's still out there, but he pu- he pulled a Bundy in the first inning. So <laughs> great. I don't oh, know man. if I. I don't even know if I, I started like him today. I, I have no idea. GFBI and and Raz Ball and stuff like that. So it's all good. But anyway, that's all I've got. Next week we are finishing up our. Uh, I want to say position previews. That's what we used to do. Division previews. Uh, NFC West. So Rams and all them. So should be a fun show. Uh, who's our guest next week? I've totally blanked on who our guest is next week. And I don't have it up. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> oh, come on. Peter, work with me. Where to go? Next week, our guest is Jeff Lambert. All right. Good times. He's a fun one. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I've been on his podcast like, you know, before, and he, he's a good guy. So. We will uh, be doing that, finish up our division previews, and then jumping in into some other talk here uh, after that consistency. We'll do a live mock draft and some rankings review up until the season starts. So 
Make sure you check out fantasysixpack.net. Like us on and follow us on whatever you listen to, Periscope, YouTube, iTunes, you name it. So go ahead and do that. We appreciate the support. Have a good night, everyone. See ya.